Welcome, everyone, to Goddard in the World podcast. Goddard in the World podcast is a project of the Goddard Alumni Council, where we highlight Goddard alumni accomplishments out in the world. My name is Amanda Laxon, and I am here with my co-host, Casey Corona. Hey, Casey. Hey, Amanda. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Really silly, happy, fun. It's a great day. I know. I know. It's it's a really good day. Um, our guest today, uh, she's so cool. Uh, her name is Jennifer Patterson or Jenny. She owns Corpus Ritual, which is multi, uh, you can get so many different things on there, like from her breath work to her tinctures to her teas. And I encourage you all to check it out as I have encouraged many friends to check out. (laughs) So I have a group from my undergrad. We're like connected through Pace University and we have met every weekend since the beginning of the pandemic. So it's almost been one year um, on the day that we're recording this. And there are five of us and four of us are kind of obsessed with Jennifer's tinctures. <laughs> and we text about them all the time. <laughs> it's it's a little it's it's a little alarming, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> a little intense. Like, yeah, no. But I, I mean, Jenny is awesome. She's like so She's so great. Uh, I I only met her a couple of times here in New York. Definitely once at Lisa Wiles, who is who's a Goddard faculty member um, at her book launch um, at Blue Stockings Bookstore, feminist bookstore downtown in the Lower East Side. And I'm not sure if we met another time, but we've just kind of kept in touch over Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> email and all of that. And then I just like, really got into the the stuff that Jenny has to offer. And so, um, yeah, she was she's amazing person, uh, really knowledgeable and really enjoyed talking to her. What did you think? Yeah, Casey? yeah I mean, Jen, Jen was a person that drew you into her kind of world and the work that she does and her breath work and being a herbalist. You know, I, I don't know much about plants and sure. like growth and life. But after talking to Jen, I was um, <clears throat> much more, you know, engaged and I was much more um, appreciative and sort of, I felt like, Hey, maybe I could do some of this work. You know, that's, a, that's the kind of thing that Jen kind of does. And she's got such a, a breadth of knowledge and, and that, that shows up in sort of her work and also what she offers to others. Um, and so that's really, really cool. The fact that her and her partner moved from, from Brooklyn after all those years during COVID out to New Mexico and just yeah. created new space and life to me, that's just like, wow, that's so Goddard of you to do. And uh, it's really cool because you, you take those risks and chances and not everyone works out great, but some of them do. And you just, you go with that, that, that kind of feeling, that gut and that work and the work that she did allowed her to, to be able to transfer and to move and to mm-hmm. work mobile or remotely. And so, yeah, whether you had met her in, in New York and, and that time and you'd spend time with her there or whether you'll be interacting with her through her sort of work she does now out of her New Mexico, like countryside mm-hmm. or wherever they're at. Yeah. Really yeah, for sure. Yeah. Her space looks gorgeous. We will post a picture of it because I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't not take a picture of her space because I'm like, oh my God, this is like, 
you know, to, I guess, I guess like living in New York, like we don't have, we don't get these like big <laughs> right. wide offices. Um, but yeah, no, she's, she's really like, this is going to sound so dumb, but like, she's really down to earth. Like, like <laughs> and I know it sounds Unintended. dumb because we're talking about right. earth, you know, and herbalism right. and like, you know, being of the earth, but she is, and she has this like energy around her that, um, is very, is, <sighs> It's very soothing because um, mm. it feels very like practical. <laughs> like it feels like she has knowledge that I can like bring with me today. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does, and it can be applied, right? It's practical, right. like objective, sort of. Yeah, in place, like no, it's, it's so true, Amanda. It's like you don't feel like you're just going to go off on a bird and just fly away with with Jennifer. She's going to give you the resources and the help mm -hmm. to make sure that you can construct and build whatever you need to based upon her expertise and her skills, which is just, yeah. I mean, that's invaluable. Like it's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So without any further ado, here is Jennifer Patterson. Welcome everyone to Goddard in the World podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Amanda Laxon, and today our guest is Jennifer Patterson. Jennifer is a grief worker who uses plants, breath, and words to explore survivorhood, bodies, and healing. A queer and trans-affirming and centering trauma-experienced herbalist and breathwork facilitator, Jennifer offers sliding scale care as a practitioner through her private practice, Corpus Ritual, and is a member of the Breathe Network. She is the author of The Power of Breathwork, Simple Practices to Promote Well-Being. A graduate of Goddard College's MA program, Shaped by Embodiment Studies, Jennifer is finishing a book project focused on translating embodied traumatic experience through somatic practices and critical and creative nonfiction. You can find more at corpusritual.com. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. I am super excited to have you here today. Full disclosure, I am a customer of Corpus <laughs> Ritual and have turned on multiple friends to the tinctures and uh, teas and all of that good stuff. Because so much of your work has focused on plants and like herbal uh, remedies, can you tell us uh, an early experience that you had with plants as healing? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've thought a lot about it because I come from a family of gardeners. So my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side were like, they had like epic gardens growing up that I used to visit. And then my mom was also a gardener and she had this beautiful herb garden when I was a kid that had like 50 plus herbs or something. And I grew up gardening, you know, but like my family wasn't using um, herbs in like a medicinal way. We were just, we were growing them and we were cooking with them. But yeah, I grew up gardening. So I always had like a little kid's garden. And as I got older, um, I forgot about herbs as like medicinal support, you know, I kind of like, they just weren't on my radar up until, you know, really... I had um, kidney stones in my, well, I've had them a, a number of times, but one time I had them, I didn't have health insurance. And 
I was like probably in my later 20s, I would say. And I was like, okay, so there's got to be other ways to navigate kidney stones besides like a hospital and medication and, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I found plants again and I started like researching them just for my own health and my own supports and got really into it and then remembered like how important growing plants was as a kid. So yeah, it's been kind of like a full circle. That's amazing. Where, where was it that your, your mom, um, and you had your gardens, Mm. your childhood gardens? We had them in Pennsylvania, a little outside Philly. And then, yeah, my grandparents, um, were up in New York city and then on long Island. So we were kind of between those two places. Do you remember some of the things that you that you had in your like kids garden that you got really excited about to I harvest? Do. Yeah. And some of them are still my favorite. I mean, because, you know, there's so many different ways to work with plants. Some of them are internal. Some of them are external. But yeah, I used to grow um, bleeding heart when I was a kid. Do you remember? Ooh, I don't know They're what like, that is. It's beautiful. I mean, they look like little heart shaped flowers and um I was obsessed with them and I'm trying to think of what else. I feel like gooseberries. I don't know why I like them, but like, I think they were growing nearby. And I remember just being like, gooseberry, what is a goose? You know, like I was just very into the name as a kid. (laughs) I do remember the name gooseberry. I grew up in Canada. And Mm. so I think they're, you know, because we're both like North, Northern, Eastern. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's probably gooseberries over there as well. And I... I didn't know what they looked like, but I remember also being kind of obsessed with that name. Like, yeah, it's kind of romantic and you don't see them very often. (laughs) I don't know if you eat them. Uh, Someone, (laughs) listeners, tell us because we have no idea what to do with gooseberries. I haven't thought about gooseberries in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So when when you had kidney stones, what was it that you found that you could that you could take to help alleviate them? Well, yeah. So I did a lot of looking around and like interneting, but I did, I found there's like a bigger herb company called Herb Farm. And they had like a blend called Stonebreaker, which I honestly, I don't remember what was even in it at this point. Cause I haven't, I haven't used it again, but like it kind of just like propelled me into yeah, like finding out ways to support myself. And and bizarrely enough, like kidney stones is what brought me back into herbalism. And then again, I completely abandoned like taking care of my kidneys with herbs. And then years <laughs> later, I got kidney stones again. And I was like, God damn it. Why didn't I make the herbs for the kidneys? You know, like I never made the tinctures for the kidneys. So, you know, it's a work in progress. <laughs> Goes in well, and out of awareness. Well, I was, I was saying before we started how the tinctures that you do make now really help me both physically. I think you know, with with energy or what whatever it is that I that I need, but also intention, mm-hmm. um, because I have like eight <laughs> right now <laughs> that I'm that I cycle through. And you have these amazing descriptions on each bottle on like, mm. w- you know, what each tincture is for. And it really helps me. And I know uh, my friends who <laughs> are obsessed with them a little bit. <laughs> um, it really helps me to sort of 
come home to myself for a second and decide what is it that I need support in right now. And so I think it's, it is interesting how you kind of let that, <laughs> you kind of forgot about it once it was done. Yep, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think herbalism is, is like one of many tools for caring for our bodies. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of times where like, um, medical interventions or medications are also really supportive. And then, yeah, there's a lot of herbs that can really, most plants and herbs work on like lots of different body systems at once. So even like, yeah, like even writing a little description about it, it's like, that's like a, it's like a piece of like what plants are capable of in supporting us in. And yeah, there's a ton of plants for inflammatory conditions. Um, you know, everything from like topical for like eczema to for skin based conditions. And then there's a lot of stuff for internal, like a lot of herbs that are soothing the, di the digestive tract. And, you know, it's really, there's a lot there, you know, like when I first started studying herbs, I was like, oh my, you know, like there was all, I felt all this pressure to like become like a, you know, just like an herbalist who knows everything in the world. And then I was like, yeah, it's never going to happen. Like plant working with plants is an ongoing educational experience, you know, but yeah, there's, there's really a lot of different supports for, um, a lot of different digestive health conditions. Um, bitters are often a good, depending on what's going on, people, bitters can be helpful because it helps kind of warm up the digestive tract um, and then there's a lot of herbs, yeah, that are really soothing to the nervous or sorry, to the digestive system while also being supportive to the nervous system, because so much of digestive health is like related to like stress and, you know, our nervous systems too. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot out there. It's pretty cool. Was there anyone that you looked at specifically when you started getting very excited about um, working with plants? Like, is there anyone that trained you in being an herbalist? or And like, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of went a couple different directions. Um, I did study with an herbalist early on for some time. It's since come out that he um, was pretty harmful to a lot of his students. And so that, you know, brings in, you know, there's, I have, I forever have a question of like, what do we do when our teachers are harmful? You know, yeah, like, when we like yeah. both have learned from them, but also like can acknowledge that there's been like some real harm. So that, you know, I started moving away from that mode of study. And then I did, you know, I've been to conferences and studied particularly like different, different body systems through different teachers. Um, and I also, you know, like I didn't know a ton of people that were working with herbalism when I first started, but I did have one friend um, named Melanie, Melanie Griffin, who has an herb line and Melanie's wonderful. So like we used to just like talk herbs with each other and like hang out and <laughs> yeah, like it was just nice to have somebody else that was like on a similar track. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm actually, I'm going back to, I'm taking a like eight or nine month um, herb study program this year with these teachers I love that are oh, down wow. in North Carolina and called Terra Silva is the school. And, you know, with everything with COVID, like it's, it's online now. So like, I've wanted to study with them for a long time, just to kind of like fill in the cracks of my own knowledge and like learn some new stuff. And 
yeah, now I'm able to. So yeah, by the end of this year, I'm going to be like steeped in <laughs> herb, herb study, like a, like a tea. I will be steeped like a tea at the <laughs> end great. of the year. A very strong a tea. A very strong tea, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Um, and you you offer breathwork as well. You've written a book on it and you do a yeah. monthly virtual uh, breathwork group. Um, for our listeners uh, and and myself, uh, because I I've never really done breath work. Uh, can yeah. you share with us w- what what the con- if there is a connection between the the your herbalist mm-hmm. side and breathwork side, and what the experience of being in a breathwork session would be like? Yeah, yeah. So I started studying um, breathwork probably back in 2014-ish. I went to a breathwork group in Brooklyn. I had no idea what it was. And to give a a bit more information about my background, um, I've experienced a lot of abuse and trauma in my life. And so like my 20s were a mess, largely, you know, and then like in my early 30s, I was like, okay, time to start getting some stuff together for myself. And I found breathwork. And, you know, I've struggled with depression, anxiety, suicidality, you know, complex PTSD, all the things. So I also really struggled with my breath and I had Mm. like a lot of like shallow breath breathing, shortness of breath. Um, I also just felt really disconnected from my body. So, you know, going to a breathwork group was a little overwhelming because I knew I would kind of struggle in that space, but I also knew I had to like start start finding ways to connect back to my body, which I was doing with herbs too. And yeah, they, they're, I think they're in relationship to each other. You know, some people, I mean, I I have people that I've worked with, with herbs who also come and do breath work. And, you know, some people like take their tinctures before breath work, or I also know this breath worker in Europe, who's an herbalist and named Anya. And they do like, they do like, plant meditations and then do breath work. So, Mm. you know, that's another beautiful way, I think, to combine them. But yeah, breath work is, you know, breath work is one of those things where it's a huge umbrella, you know, like the word breath work can mean all kinds of different breathing styles and practices. A lot of them are incredibly longstanding spiritual and religious traditions and cultural traditions throughout the history of time. You know, I mean, breath is our connection to life. So like, Everybody, I I believe, has a connection in their lineage to breath work in some ways. But like a lot of the traditions that are more prominent are like through pranayamic and like South Asian and and like Central Asian. And, you know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of different lineages of traditions. So that's one thing. The breath work that I teach most often in the groups and in my private sessions um, is an active breath. So it's. It's, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, I can't explain it. It's also like, it's such an experiential thing that it's, you know, like words are, I mean, part of the reason I love it is because words are not always as important and I'm a very like wordy Mm -hmm. person. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but yeah, so in the, in the groups and in the private sessions that I offer, um, you know, I teach the breath and it's a two part inhale, one part exhale, and it's all through the open mouth. So, you know. I feel like, you know, we hear like, oh, mouth breathing isn't good. And, you know, longstanding, regular practice of mouth breathing, yes, impacts a lot of our body systems. But for like a sustained short practice, it also connects us to this expanded state of awareness or consciousness. 
So, you know, the, the sessions are like, people are usually, we're breathing for about 45 ish minutes. Um, and about, I don't know, eight to 10 minutes of it are the resting breath and the rest is this active breath. And it kind of builds, um, people have really different experiences, but some of the things that people notice are, you know, very physical, like there's a lot of physical sensations, like some cramping in the hands or in the mouth or the feet. A lot of emotion can get moved up and moved through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's a really, it's a great practice for a lot of reasons, but it's great for like the times that we feel like stuck or we feel mm-hmm. like it's a great practice to do before like creative work because it just kind of plows through the the internal barriers we have around just like showing up as ourselves in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most often, you know, a lot of people find themselves in spaces of being able to like integrate or disintegrate like difficult material, you know, whether it's like mm-hmm. traumatic material or like a difficult relationship or, you know, there's a way where we can kind of, because we're in this expanded state of awareness and consciousness, like we're able to look at things a bit differently and like also just feel things more deeply, you know, like I feel like in breath work, I've been able to really like get a lot of clarity on stuff in my life, stuff that's important to me. And also just the act of doing it. It's like, it's such an embodied practice, which, you know, as a survivor, as a person who struggled to be in relationship to my body, like that was a barrier for me at first. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm great. Like every time I do it, I'm like, look at you taking care of yourself. You know, it's like this way of like tuning back into my own needs and then mm-hmm. and like resourcing myself so that I can continue to be present in this world that like needs all of us. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm thinking about like just 45 minutes of paying attention to breath. And yeah. I mean, I I know that if I, I've, I've had moments of anxiety and I'm we all have. Yeah. I mean, let's yeah. let's, let's, be, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. Like my, many of us have, and especially like in the past year, but um, moments of anxiety where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this next thing, whatever it is that I have to do. And if I take five minutes to breathe, I'm like, oh, okay, I maybe I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, and five minutes feels really long. And so 45 minutes, I feel like what you're saying about barriers and being able to sort of break through them or doing that, taking that time for yourself, the, um, for 45 minutes to breathe because you were going to breathe anyway for 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So it does feel like a very, good, nice uh, way to come home to yourself, come home to your body. Like, yeah, like we are literally breathing all of the time, you know? And so for me, you know, there's a lot of different avenues into breath for people. Like some people are like, oh, I'm like doing it to like optimize my health and like my endurance. And that's, that's not, that's not quite me. You know, I think um, there's, but there's so many ways to be in it. Your practices are very embodied. Um, most, if not all of them. And you focused in embodiment studies while you were mm-hmm. at Goddard. Uh, was that was that what drew you to Goddard? How did you how, like how did Goddard come to your radar? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, what was your experience there? 
Yeah. I mean, my, my journey to Goddard was actually a really long one. Like I think I first learned about Goddard in 2000, I was trying to remember earlier, 2007 or 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the creative writing program. And one of my favorite writers, Banu Kapil is an advisor in one of the programs. I think she might still be. So I was like, Ooh, but you know, I was also in a time in my life where I felt pretty, I've never been super concerned with like trying to find like a traditional career, but I had just left my like undergrad career in fashion design. And I was kind of like meandering around and, um, I had always been a writer. I'd always written and I'd started like taking classes more. So I was like, Oh, that should maybe be what I do. But then I, I talked myself out of it and I was like, no, you can't like, you need to find something that's like, um, I don't know, more, I don't know what. I just felt like I, I wouldn't allow myself to do it. So years later, um, I had started doing um, anti-violence work and organizing work. And I was putting together an anthology about queer and trans people and sexual violence. And so my mm -hmm. life had started taking this trajectory where like I was doing a lot of healing work myself because I needed it. I needed it to literally like stay alive. And, mm -hmm. um, and I also wanted to be with other people in theirs. Cause I just, I wanted to feel like there's like so much generative energy in doing healing work with people because it's like, we, we get these chances to just be, be with what's there. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I decided to go to Goddard, but I went for the individualized studies program. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, my plan, you know, as, as you both probably know, it's like you come into Goddard with a plan and like, <laughs> then you have a few years of just like, you're like, where'd the plan go? And then yeah. you like come to a thesis. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> they the kick you out by having you write a thesis. <laughs> yeah. The funny part is that like, I had never really wanted to go to grad school the mm. only way I would have gone to grad school is the way that I went through Goddard, you know, like, I don't, mm. I don't, I was not interested in like being in a classroom or like studying stuff I didn't want to study or, mm. you know, having values put on my, my intentions or my work that didn't align with my own. So yeah, like finding Goddard was like, what you can, this is like, you can, this is called a graduate program. And I, you know, at first I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I was looking at transformative language arts. I was looking at embodiment studies. I was also like somewhat interested in consciousness studies. I had a good friend, yeah. um, Britta Love, who was in that program. And we had a lot of, you know, overlap in our work together over the years. But um, yeah, so I kind of straddled transformative language arts and embodiment studies and never okay. formally chose either. Oh, <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> um, but you know, like that's, that's where I was like, you know, that was where my interests were. And, you know, at that mm. point too, I, it's hard to remember the the timeline, but like around that time, the anthology started in 2010, it came out in 2016. And, you know, around 2014, I started doing writing workshops as well in um, LGBTQ centers. And mm. I worked through a, a needle exchange and a harm reduction clinic for a couple seasons and um yeah so I found Goddard in like a long winding way and I ended up going part-time so I was actually in my program for three years which mm -hmm. was great for you know just having the time to like let things kind of marinate and settle a bit I I also went three years because I just couldn't get my feet <laughs> Not that I couldn't get my thesis together. It, I mean, it is that, but it also felt like I needed 
more time to like yeah. really explore that that work, especially in the individualized Master of Arts. I when I, uh, so I graduated in 2010. The dimension of my thesis about like my own experience was not done yeah, <laughs> by, the time, totally. by the time I was there they were saying okay time to wrap it up I'm like what I just got here totally <laughs> like, yeah so. well the personal work goes alongside like the academic work you know and like we yeah. grow so much in that program that it, it totally makes sense that you're like wait wait not I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done yet yeah <laughs> I find that to be such um, an important thing about, you know, Goddard is the idea of, um, you know, if you're truly a lifelong learner and you're continually growing, it's never going to sort of end, right? So you're always, you know, the idea of passion and wanting to continue in your studies is is an indication that you're in a place that's great for learning, right? That's the thing. If you don't want to stop that, right? It's like, oh, wait, this is helping me and humanity and the world. Like, yeah, Yeah. let's keep going. I I love this. I'm passionate. And and that's how growing sort of operates naturally, right? Organically. And that's, I think, how we work as, as a uh, people. Um, so that's, that's a good indication that you, <laughs> that you, Jennifer and Amanda yeah. wanted to continue after a traditional like two years or whatever. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I would go back again. I'm like, I'll, <laughs> I'll go back again. Why not? <laughs> I know I have new stuff that I want to study <laughs> that I would, that I would welcome structure around, oh, you know, exactly. Our, structure our, like, deadlines, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. deadlines are the key part. Yeah. Um, what What was it that you that you studied there and brought together mm-hmm. in your thesis? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Similarly, it was like the reason I decided to go ultimately is I wanted structure. You know, like I'm a pretty organized and like focused person, but like it's nice to be in exchange around ideas and work and study. And um, yeah, it was a good, it was a really good space for that. And so I I went into it wanting to, um, which I, it was work I was already doing, continue studying trauma, continue studying queer and trans communities and um, accessing like what are, you know, often called non-traditional ways of healing, which are actually traditional, you know, longstanding <laughs> with like yeah, deep roots. So yeah. It's like, no, yeah. these are, these are what people <laughs> have been doing. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, these are the original actually. That's yeah. A, yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and I also, you know, like when I was looking into, I was looking into herb programs as well. And like a lot of herb programs that I was finding that I had access to were so, so, so expensive and there were like no loan options or anything. So I was like, okay, I'll go to this program where I can, I can create my own learning environment and create my own trajectory of study. So I got to study herbalism really deeply, you know, like I got to do a lot of self-study. I got to do a lot of like working with plants and, you know, I've always loved how like Goddard really invites people to bring in the totality of their lives to study, you know? So like everything I did was a part of my study, you know, like the tinctures I was making, the, you know, the acupuncture appointments I was going to, like the the lectures I was at. Um, And funnily enough, you know, my first semester, um, I got feedback that my creative writing was actually a strength and like a real, a Mm. point of folk that should be, you know, a point of focus for me. And I was like, damn it. Like I was going to do that in 2007 and I didn't, you know? So 
my, my study ended up being heavily influenced by creative writing, creative nonfiction writing, memoir. Um, so my thesis ended up being, yeah, I think it was called For Text to Be Like Skin. And it was tracking, tracking my experience of healing um, throughout the time I was there through the modalities of breath work a little bit. I came in further towards the end, um, herbalism and also like psychedelic work. So, um, and then also like looking at trauma and healing and like what that, like what that looks like, especially for people who are in the margins or in marginalized communities or like aren't able to access, you know, more mainstream spaces. So yeah, it was a long, (laughs) went a lot of places, but you know, I ended up I ended up with a thesis that I was happy with and, you know, it was, there was like critical writing in it, but a lot of it was creative nonfiction. Mm. So that's something I'm still, I would love some structure to help me finish it into a book because I, uh, totally, (laughs) it's hard when you leave Goddard and you're like, wait, where's the, how do I continue? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess you could just send packets like every three weeks to someone. into the void (laughs) why not (laughs) but it is that accountability that helps like you get you get the letter back and you're like "Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) or or oh okay yeah I can work on this more uh, stuff but yeah yeah Yeah, no I mean I would I would love to read that whenever (laughs) you finish that uh I know you're a very busy person (laughs) and avoiding I'm doing a great job at avoiding it right now actually oh we all do that. that that's I think that is the life of a writer yeah. is like avoiding writing. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I was talking to some people because I have this um, group that I'm part of just in the pandemic. We we met and we did the artist's way together um, mm. at the beginning of the pandemic. And then we just kept meeting every week. And the thing that we talk about all the time is you know, we need that time. We meet like three times a week and we need Mm -hmm. that time to do the writing and like, or whatever it is. Um, We need that accountability because like, who loves to write? (laughs) (laughs) You're serious about it. It's kind of torture. It's hard. (laughs) You're like digging up like, and you know, honestly, that's also what like my thesis was kind of about is like this excavation, you know, like writing is so somatic. It's mm-hmm. literally like we are literally doing it with our hands, first of all. Like it's a part of our body, you know. Yeah. And and oftentimes, you know, like I was able to really track like what was happening in my body as I was like writing, you know, about and I was writing a lot about like trauma that I've experienced and mm-hmm you know, I paired that with embroidery actually, because like, Ooh. it felt like, a. I was just mostly trying to do like anything that helped me like stay or have a relationship with my body and embroidery and knitting to like these kind of repetitive behaviors or practices, you know, like it's a way it's a meditation, you know, it's a mm. way of like, and it helped me kind of like digest what was coming up because it was really hard, you know, like those three years were like between like the writing and being at Goddard and the psychedelic work I was doing, it like shot me out far, you know? And I've been like, luckily to have been held in, in, in a space where I was able to like reflect on those things, but writing is really hard. I think it's very hard. (laughs) 
I think it's very hard to, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially with creative nonfiction writing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's very hard because you both are digging up. Like you say, I think that's an amazing way to put that digging up your own, the clay of your life, whatever yeah. it is, and then putting it out onto a page mm -hmm. that makes it visible and concrete in mm -hmm. a way that, yeah, and that you're sharing. Yeah. That's, yeah, fucking hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> but it does. I mean, I don't know that we we had a guest who is um our my friend Mike, who has written an essay or not not just one essay, but he has written it, his work at Goddard kind of reflected on the idea is creative is creativity inherently healing. Mm -hmm. Um, he was you know working with like Francis Charette on the on that. Mm -hmm. question um you know when he was when he was there and it yeah there's I mean I I don't I don't know he he, he has a book out and yeah. I will <laughs> will read his essay on that because I think it's I think it's a good question um yeah because there are a lot of people who think that just because you got it on the page like you know they they celebrate you like putting yeah. your soul out there yeah. and I was actually just talking about that today with like acting. Like I mm. feel like we as a culture celebrate people who go through it, like yeah. have a really hard yeah. time, like in their acting process. And it's like, you know, we should actually support people practicing their creativity in a healthy way, in a way that supports yeah. them. So I yeah. don't know. That's yeah. kind of a tangent. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I very much, you know, the yeah, that question is also a question that I work with a lot. And it's like, I think, it, you know, like there's there's a lot of study. I think her name is um, Louise DeSalvo, yeah. I believe. Yeah. You know, she's studied it a lot, like the the relationship between like creative writing and and healing. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's it's again, it's like one tool, you know, like there's. There's a lot of tools, but like, I don't think like, especially with writing about trauma, it's like, it's so for so many of us, it is so nonlinear and like jumbled. And, you know, a lot of what I was trying to do was, you know, what a lot of what I heard, I would say in like writing workshops or classes was like this idea of like wanting people to be beyond the traumatic experience in order to like write, write about it from like a clearer head. But yeah. my, my work was more like, okay, we're, 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 we're like counting on trauma being a single moment in time when like actually mm -hmm. trauma for a lot of people, um, is ongoing, you know, right. like, like racial violence, transphobia, homophobia, like all of these things are ongoing forms of trauma and violence. And like, when are, when are we going to be outside of that? You know? <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, yeah, a lot of it, again, the reason I think it was so hard was because I was specifically trying to write from like inside of it, you know, like mm -hmm. I was like, there's value to how my brain's working inside of the trauma, you know, sure. like there's information there. So yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. The, the writing workshops that you did um, at the, at the needle exchange and and other places were those yeah. projects that you started while you were at Goddard or after and and how were those yeah. structured they were at while i was at goddard okay. and you know 
I mean, it was, it was funny and not funny because the anthology that I was working on specifically about trauma and queer and trans people Mm -hmm. was supposed to have come out way earlier than it did. So like the whole time I was at Goddard, I was also doing the anthology, but everybody Mm. was like, oh, is that your project? And I'm like, it's not, it's a separate project actually. That's just never ending. But the workshops were alongside both of both my study at Goddard and also coming out of this anthology. And they were structured a couple different ways. So like some spaces I was at, we would do like either two or three hour sessions. So those were like six weeks long. And it was about, it was called, I called them wound dwelling. The idea was like, no, we're going to like dive right into it. You know, like we're gonna. And so what we would do is we, we read other writers, we read poets. We, I pulled stuff about trauma and writing, um, trauma as, as finding, finding healing through writing, And then we would have time to write and we'd have time to share if people felt like it. And as I got more into like some more holistic modalities, you know, like I would bring an herbal tea that would be like supporting of our nervous systems or like we do a little breath work. And so it's kind of changed over time. But yeah. And then when I was at the needle exchange, those were about an hour long. So they were kind of like short and fast. Mm -hmm. And um because a lot of people there are, they come for like a lot of different services, medical services. They have like a whole healing arts program where they have acupuncture and mm-hmm. yoga and like all kinds of things. So people would like pop in for an hour workshop and it was structured similarly, but just a little bit shorter. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Had you, had you done that kind of work but prior, prior to Goddard? I, they feel very TLA uh, yeah. transformative language arts inspired. And so I, I, so I'm just curious if, if that was something that you brought to mm. before I had, I mean, I had, I was trained in like group facilitation. So oh, when okay. I was doing community organizing work. We, I was, so I did community organizing work and I was also, um, I studied to be a rape crisis counselor. So mm-hmm. between those two things, like I was already in positions of offering support to people through traumatic experiences. Um, and then, yeah, it was like, we, we did a lot of study around like group facilitation. So I had a sense of like, I hadn't like crystallized it into like a, a program just yet, but like that was a bit of my background was, was being in group spaces and facilitation. I think the group facilitation piece is very crucial for, especially the populations that you're working with, but I have been in some really bad writing workshops yeah. <laughs> where, yeah. where the faci- it, it, it's the facilitation. Like it's yeah. not the exercises, like the exercises are fine. Like, but it's the, it's how we talk about what has been presented the mm-hmm. writing, you know, that we, that we say and people kind of treating it like a group therapy space where yeah. it's not um, yeah. as if, everybody else is a counselor. Yeah. Like <laughs> lots of unasked for opinions. And yeah, uh, yeah. like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Your mom did that to you. It's like, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think your, your uh, skill as a group facilitator, probably, I'm sure that was like very helpful in these, in these spaces, especially when like excavating, um stories so yeah yeah I've Um, been in a lot of not great spaces too you know where I'm like yeah I mean I I did a number of like workshops like multi-week or multi-month workshops in my 20s and like 
the the lack of the words coming that comes to mind is like tenderness, but like the lack of skill and like tenderness around like new writing that people are sharing, you know, sure. it's like, especially like in the workshops I was doing, they were just generative workshops. They weren't for critique, you know? Yeah. So like we had like these guidelines for being in spaces together where like, yeah, it's not about like you telling somebody else what you think they did really well or, or, or didn't do well or like critiquing it. It's about just like honoring what people have put on the paper, which is already mm-hmm. so hard. Mm-hmm. And like, the editing can come later, <laughs> you know, I like, sure. don't need to do editing yet. I agree. I, yeah, this is, this is something that I feel like needs to be a ground rule in most writing workshops, <laughs> like, yeah. unless you've been given edited work yeah. and are specifically sought, like asking for feedback on that. Yeah. So I know that you just had a relocation from Brooklyn to New Mexico. Can you tell us a little bit about about that move and what inspired it and and what it's like out there mm. now? Yeah. Yeah, so I was in Brooklyn for 16 years. Um I I miss it a lot still, you know, but Brooklyn is I mean, everything is so different right now, but um, yeah, I had started looking into moving with my girlfriend and we, we took a trip out last January of 2020 to New Mexico, California, wow. just to kind of like, we stayed with friends just to see what it could feel like maybe to be somewhere else. And we had a plan for like a couple years from now and then COVID hit and, you know, mm-hmm. I lived in a really small space. She also lived in a fairly small space and, you know, alongside that is like, I'm an herbalist. Like I, like certainly herbalists exist in cities and there are so many plants and there's so much in the city, but also like I've forever been split between like, I'm like a city person, you know, like I love Brooklyn. I love the energy of it. I'm kind of like fast moving. I like that fast energy, but I also like needed to be in nature (laughs) more, you know? And like, I was struggling for years, like accessing it. And, you know, I would have my like fire escape gardens. And then one time, like I got in trouble because it was like a fire hazard, you know, and I was just like, you're taking my plants from me. (laughs) So like, I just needed, I needed to be able to be in a space with plants more. So, you know, and my, my work was with the, the herb work was already like, it wasn't in person. So that that was okay to kind of travel. And then the breath work, um, I had done some virtual work with people, mostly just like single sessions, but you know, when COVID hit, like everything went online. And so I started doing sliding scale breath work groups and yeah, it was, it's a, I think it's a good way to be in the practice because people are in their own spaces. So I felt comfortable enough leaving, you know, like all of the incredible spaces I had built relationships with for years a lot of them closed, you know, because of yeah. everything. So, you know, it was a kind of thing where it was like, it was kind of a quick decision, but it was, we'd thought about it for, you know, a while. Um, and it just felt right for now. So, you know, I'm, I went from like a, I don't even know, like a 300 square foot apartment where like right. a friend recently described it as, um, she was like, it's just like dense magic in there. Cause it's true. Like I had <laughs> bottles and jars like everywhere. Like I was being swallowed by all my like jars of plants. So <laughs> here I like, I have some space, you know, like I'm able to 
spread out a bit. Um, we're very rural, so there's a lot to learn around just, you know, like we're at the end of a dirt road. There's just like, there's just land behind us. So it's pretty, yeah, there's a lot I was sharing earlier. Like, yeah, it's like my days involve like, I have to go like wheelbarrow some wood down later to like keep the wood stove going because that's our source of heat. So, you know, it's a good place to be for a little bit, I think. And I'll see what happens next. It's it's amazing because, um, Jennifer, you seem to really embody the embodiment, right? So you're, you're sort of thinking about that all the time in terms of relationship to all the work that you're doing and sort of the connection to body and movement and sort yeah. of place and space and all of that kind of elements. And so being conscious and mindful of that, you know, and and sometimes I think, you know, we propel ourselves in those kind of elements, you know, to go out and do change into the world. And then sometimes it sounds like there was some consciousness going on about making a shift, but then the world comes along with something like COVID and propels us, you know, to that kind of movement, to that time and space and desire. And um, that just seems to be how the universe kind of works, but um, being present in those moments and being able to be mindful of embodiment, whether that space or time is changing. I mean, it seems like you and your girlfriend made that sort of decision, um, have been thinking about it, but you know, the world propelled you to kind of work through that and make that, you know, and it kind of a swift movement. And that's really, um, amazing and really should be applauded in a real, real amazing way because you weren't, you know, a lot of what we do in life and as Goddardites is to push up against what is like sort of the box, you know, what we know, you know, and then go beyond that to see what what can be challenged and new in that regard. So it sounds as though the change has been, been helpful, even though it's brought on new challenges and new surfaces and new new embodiments um, for you and your, your clients and, and, and and that kind of thing. So that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, definitely got propelled. (laughs) Did not, was non-consensual at first, you know, it was like, (laughs) For all of us, you know, but I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It was like, I came back from that trip being like, okay, like I definitely need a shift in my life, but I'm, I was like really invested in like a lot of the spaces I've worked out of for breath work or just relationships I had were like multi-year relationships and spaces that mm. I like felt very lucky to be working out of. And I was like, I can't leave. I can't leave that. You know, like it took me, I was like, I always felt like I was a late bloomer. Like it took me so long to get to a place where I was like, oh, this is the work I want to do. This is the, these are the people I want to be doing it with. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you know, like it literally, like everything got shut down. So, and the space, there's some spaces I still get to work with virtually. So, you know, it's not, it's not lost entirely, but it's very different for sure. Have you have you ever lived in a rural area like that before? Like having to haul wood to your wood stove and all of that? <laughs> you know, I've spent a lot of time in Vermont. Like when I started going up to Vermont for Goddard, I just kept going a lot. You know, I have a very good friend who lives up there who um, lives in Montpelier. And so... Mm. And then I would also, I spent a lot of time um, at residencies at this space called Welcome Hill that my advisor, Lisa Weil, connected me to. And it's rural there. I mean, it's it's rural enough. You know, like you're up a mountain, you're in like a little beautiful old house alone, like in the, in the colder times, you do need to like do that. 
And I would spend, you know, sometimes I'd spend a month there. So oh, wow. I felt like I was like in sh- like people used to often in New York City would be like, do you live in Vermont? And I'm like, no, I live in Brooklyn. I'm just in Vermont a lot. <laughs> so, you know, I felt like I was like doing a little bit of both for a while. And, you know, for me, like just like just the way that my like systems are like I'm super, super sensitive. And like many times in living in New York City, I was like, how am I doing this? Like, I'm like sensitive to sound, to light, to like everything, you know? And Mm -hmm. it was just, you know, so it's, it's just a different, it's real quiet here. Like I keep looking out, there's like cows that walk across the field right in front of me. It's really Mm -hmm. like, it's bizarre. (laughs) It's very different. That's amazing. Are you going to, I know it's winter right now, but actually I don't know what the it's cold tell me. here. Yeah, yeah. Lots of snow. Yeah. We're up yeah. high in the mountains. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, are you going to start a garden in on what whatever property you're on right yeah. now? Or I yeah. am, yeah. So the the house that I'm in is um again, it's at the end of a road and there's a lot of land mm-hmm. alongside of it. And the people that were here before built a bunch of raised beds. So Oh, great. Yeah, I've been like seed seed collecting and I'm going to employ my girlfriend to build me things for it. <laughs> um, Wonderful. <laughs> skills I do not have. Uh. Um and yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm hopeful, but I'm also trying to be, you know, realistic around like being in a completely new landscape and like on new land and trying to see what will grow here and what doesn't want to. Yeah. So we we have referred to Corpus Ritual mm-hmm. a number of times, um, but what, when did you start it? What brought you to mm-hmm. to start the shop? I would say, I think it was around 2013-ish. I had been studying herbs for a while. I'd been working with that teacher. And, um, you know, I mostly was just like giving them to friends, (laughs) you know, like making stuff and giving to friends for Mm -hmm. quite some time, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, the herb stuff grew over time. You know, it was a really, yeah, I've been working more intentionally with herbs since 2012. And you know, I was like hand making all my own labels and, and herbalism is this beautiful, like time intensive practice, you know, like everything that I make is fully by hand. It's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, gathering plants. I work with a lot of like small farms. I had more, you know, relationships on the East coast. I'm, I'm working up some right. new ones here and, you know, work with all organic plant matter and, um, but it's, it's slowly grown, which I think is good. Cause I, I'd never had any intentions for like a huge company or business, you know, like I just want to be sustained. I want to be able to sustain like, you know, mutual aid and work I care about and support other people, other makers, other people doing work in the world. And so it's been slow and steady and it's, it's good. It's manageable for me. It's a lot, but it's manageable and it's nice to be like, I like having my hands in all parts of the process, you know. How long does it take for you to make? I mean, maybe it's different mm. for each tincture, but like what what is the process? So you can either work with fresh or dry plants and roots, flowers, you know, whole plant roots depends on on what you're working with. Um, and there's a lot of for tinctures, it's an alcohol based process. And then there's some mm-hmm. non-alcohol based processes, too. But yeah, the the herbs and the plants stay in the alcohol for six weeks. 
So, you know, if I'm like not mindful of like my stock on something, like it'll take six, you know, I, you can, you can do it for less time. I like six weeks. I feel like that's what I learned and what I just keep doing. And then you strain the plant matter out after the six weeks. And then you have the alcohol-based tincture that has constituents of the plants in it. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, then there's like bottling and labeling and packing the orders. So it's like, I've never like tried to keep track. I just don't really want to know how much time it takes. You know, I'm like, it's (laughs) just, it's just the process. That's the process I'm in, you know, like that's that. If you're a business owner, you're going to spend more time on way more time than you would uh, want to know about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, just don't, don't tell me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because then you start calculating your like hourly and it's like, it's, that's challenging. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I was just curious about how long the the herbs stay like in each. Yeah. Yeah, That's a chunk (laughs) of time. That's, and every part, so I, I have visited your site many times, every part of your site feels authentic to you, which is mm-hmm. something that I really admire. Like, it's very unique. And, you know, I and my friends have, like, bought tinctures based on your description, mm-hmm. like, because because they're, it's attractive and it's, it's exciting. Like, and yeah. so how <laughs> how is it that you... I very much hesitate to call it like branding, like mm. because that's what people do on business and Instagram and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But how is it that that you kind of created this this look and this mm. feel and and the language and all of that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was refusal to do things the way things are done, <laughs> you know, right? like, yep. I mean, back to like why I went to Goddard, you know, like mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm going to you know, and a lot of it, I mean, building, you know, building a business the way that I did, like I didn't have any, um, there was no money to invest. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, like there were no loans. Like I didn't even have, I've never really had credit cards for the most part. And so like a lot of it was just like leaning on my own skill set. So like I made my own website, that that's work I used to do, you know, before this was like social media and website work for mostly just like people that I, whose work I cared about in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I wanted the website to be like informative, you know, like I have a list Mm -hmm. of resources that are like a bunch of articles and some articles I've written people of other people have written. Um, I also have like a huge list of practitioners on it because I think trying to find support is sometimes like, there's just so many people out there. And so, you know, there's, I tried to like, there's a lot of information on it. And I think it just kind of organically grew, you know, like I, yes, I like, I did do social media work and website work, but again, like I wasn't formally trained in it, you know, like it was Mm -hmm. like ways I picked up things along the way and like, you know, took some Photoshop classes and things like that. But so yeah, a lot of it was just like grinding through on my own for a long time. And then I think probably 2018, the spring of 2018, my brother, I was Mm -hmm. like getting to the point where I couldn't do my labels anymore. I was like, I can't like, (laughs) I just can't do that. So he actually designed and like redesigned my all my labels. So You know, I had some ideas around what I wanted and we talked it through, but like, he really kind of like, he really, he's an incredible designer. His name's John Patterson. And like, 
he just really took it and ran a little bit. So yeah, after that, I was like, oh, I guess this is what they call branding, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't just like hand-cut labels. And I, I love, hand, I miss hand-cut labels. I miss like that, like kind of personal touch. But yeah, the the herb stuff kind of, that's a newer in the last couple years thing. And that was mm-hmm. solely because of my brother, like donating mm-hmm. his time to create them for me. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. That's important. Yeah. Um, like the of of anything that you were going to outsource, I think I think having someone like being able to print your labels, like I I know that you yeah. know it's with all the other work you're doing. I think that that's an okay. Yeah, it's fine. I was like, <laughs> someone needs. I need help. Finally, oh I was like, I need help. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's that's important. But the the descriptions of your like the one yeah. I'm thinking of specifically. Oh shoot! Now I can't remember. <laughs> but it's oh I think it's give less shits. Yeah. That one like. And, my friends bought it solely on the description. <laughs> I mean, that's where the like, that's like the writer part of me, you know, like, I yeah. feel like I really descriptions are hard for me because I'm like, how on earth would I like write about plants in words? Like, I don't, I don't really know how to do that, you know, because a mm-hmm. lot of like my relationship to plants is very like, I mean, it's partially why like I struggle to like write about it on Instagram. It's like, I don't know how to write about my relationship to plants on Instagram or like what plant, you know, like plants aren't just like useful to humans. Like we're in like an interdependent relationship with like all living things. So yeah, the descriptions though, are sometimes they come through and sometimes they don't. And yeah. I think it's very exciting and I encourage all of our listeners to like go and take a take a browse around. I will link to give less shits because it's like a standout, um, like very fun one. And uh, most of us need to like give less yeah. shits about Definitely about the stuff how, that doesn't really matter, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like meetings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So before we go, we, we did talk about your virtual breathwork groups yeah. um, and you do them monthly. Yeah, they're monthly and they're sliding scale. Um, my herb consultations, my breathwork groups and my one-on-one breathwork is all on a sliding scale. And people that don't know a sliding scale just creates more access. And I think like, Mm -hmm. that's been a big, that's been a big, um, that's like a foundation of my work. Like my, Mm -hmm. all of the healing work that I've done with other people has been because they've had sliding scale offerings or because they did donation work or because they gifted me something. Like I, I wouldn't have accessed the healing care that I have accessed over my life if, if not for sliding scale practitioners. So, and you know, it, it meets needs in my communities that I'm a part of, um, and communities that I work to be an ally to, to support like, yeah, like more accessible care and, um, more opportunities to kind of find each other. That's amazing. I I do love it. It is very clear on your on your site, like when you explain sliding scale and like um, what what it's for, like why, you know, why people who would make more money could afford to to support and that you wouldn't turn someone away for. Yeah. Less. Yeah. um, Which is which is great. And I love that. Again, feels very like ground up, like mm. authentic to, yeah. <laughs> to your, yeah. your goals, which I love. You also 
have two books out, um, mm-hmm. The Power of Breathwork and Queering Sexual Violence, which is the anthology that yeah. you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Can you can you talk about those books and and who who's who's going to benefit most from mm-hmm. reading them and um, what they're what they're about? Yeah. Yeah. So Queering Sexual Violence um, and it's Radical Voices from Within the Anti-Violence Movement. That came out of my community organizing work and the space that I was in, um, it felt narrow. It felt like narrow as far as like who we were supporting um, in their survivorhood and like, and, you know, in mainstream culture, like there's a very specific like survivor that often gets lifted up. It's usually like a white cisgender woman who's like not too crazy and like doesn't have like (laughs) any substance problem, you know, like there's like this like perfect survivor that Mm. I never was for one, you know, I've navigated a lot of alcohol issues and lots of like, just like the aftermath of it. And, you know, it also like it, it erased a lot of like survivors of color and queer and trans survivors. So the anthology includes like 35 plus different voices, um, all queer and trans people talking about survivorhood. And also a lot of people Mm. too have worked in anti-violence work and so have seen it firsthand, you know, like the, the erasures that happen and the lack of knowledge and skill, you know, like, um, there's like trans folks in the, in the anthology that talk about being turned away from services that were for quote unquote women when like they identified as women or they identified as non-binary or, um, so yeah, there's like, it's a, it's a heavy read, you know, because it's people's narratives and it's people's experiences. But it's also like one of the few books that covers um, queer and trans people only, and it's only queer and trans voices. So, yeah, I mean, it's for everyone, you know, like I've had like mm-hmm. lots of people who work in like organizations or colleges pulling it out to help inform the work that they do. And then I also like know a lot of survivors who read it just because like they need to see and hear other other voices that feel more reflective of their experience. So that's the one. And then the breathwork book. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a strange project. It kind of came out of nowhere. A friend connected me to the publisher and I was like, sure, I could write a book, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, it was like a real leap of faith. I was just like, didn't have a plan to write it uh, at all. And so I was able to kind of, you know, it's a hands-on book. So it's very... There's a lot of different practices in it that are, you know, that are not mine, that are from different traditions that are kind of compiled in this book. And then there's some sections that are a bit more um, infused with my own work and the ways that I've worked with clients. And, you know, I wanted it to be um, trauma informed because I think a lot of, you know, a lot of healing spaces, even though they are certainly for people who have navigated trauma and violence, like often you know, like even like writing space, like, like we were talking about, it still can't hold the complexity of it. And like, there's stuff Mm -hmm. that can be actually more harmful for people. So yeah, I tried to approach it from that lens of like, for like people that are new to it, like me years ago, when like, I was really hesitant, and I I didn't think I was any good at breathing or meditation, (laughs) you know, so yeah, it's kind of like an entryway in for people who maybe wouldn't wouldn't access it otherwise. That's great. And we're going to have links to both of them. You gave us bookshop links and I'd love that uh, 
website specifically, Bookshop. They're not a sponsor. We don't have sponsors. <laughs> this is an independent podcast. But um, I, I am like very good friends, best friends with a bookseller. And she always like points mm-hmm. us to Bookshop because... They support independent bookstores around Mm -hmm. the country. Um, You can support your specific bookstore, like your specific independent bookstore by buying online, um, you know, through their through their site. So so we'll definitely include the bookshop links there. Um, We will have to have you back because, (laughs) you know, when you when you write your um, memoir, (laughs) (laughs) when you when you publish your memoir, we'll definitely have you back to talk about it. So, yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Jennifer. We really appreciate all of your work and your journey and where you are now and and how you've been able to um, help so many um, survivors and individuals who are just searching for mindfulness and um, mm-hmm. embodiment and doing so through the interconnectivity that we have with our uh, mm-hmm. plant and life and, and world together. So um, it's fascinating mm-hmm. work. And thank you for for all that you do. Thank you. Thanks so much yeah. for having me. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much for coming. I'm super excited to get this out to the world. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our episode with Jennifer Patterson. For more information, please visit her website, corpusritual.com and find more info in the show notes. Also, please feel free to sign up and check out our website, GoddardAlumni.com. One of our alumni council members has started an academic journal housed with the GGI program, Choir, Q-U-I-R-E. They are currently accepting submissions for the inaugural issue from current students and alumni. Please visit ChoirPress.org for more details. Thanks for listening to Goddard in the World podcast. This podcast is a project of Goddard Alumni Council. It is produced and hosted by Casey Corona and Amanda Faye Laxon. It is edited by Amanda Faye Laxon. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or would like more information, please visit goddardalumni.com slash podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.